the entertainment and you start going really heavy on the education, that can get people's eyes to glazed over and, and tune out. So I, I like infotainment. That's a that's a, a good term to, to describe it. Another term that we use is like branded conversion, where the branding part is the entertainment, it's the emotion, it's the shareability. The conversion side of it is that education, persuasion, you know, build credibility, overcome concerns, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at the success rate getting over a billion and a half views. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Benton Crane. Benton, thanks for doing this. Hey, happy to be here. So kind of fun to have Harmon Brothers as a repeat on the show, but you are now the CEO. How long have you been the CEO? No, oh, I don't know, four or five years, something like that. Cool. So, you know, at least around these parts, you guys are very well known since most ad, most ad agencies are really worried about winning an award. And you guys have driven like $450 million in sales. Your clients got like... 1.5 billion views online, something like that. So for people who don't know Harm Brothers or or your style, can you can you explain that side of things? And we'll talk about some of your other projects as well. Yeah, if they don't know Harmon Brothers, they probably know our clients. You know, it, it's it's a list from Squatty Potty to Poopery to Purple Mattresses, Chatbooks, Fiberfix, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. So yeah, we we've been in this really fortunate position to get to work with really amazing entrepreneurs and help them tell their stories and just the way that it's you know all come together we've like you said we've been able to drive billions of views for our clients and and hundreds of millions of dollars in 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 sales for them and for many of them you know that it takes our companies through some life-changing transitions you know any I, a couple of them, you know, Poopery, for instance, went from about $7 million per year to well over 30 million. Purple went from, you know, they were like a three or $4 million per year seat cushion company. And I think within 14 months or something, they were doing over $100 million in, in mattress sales. And, uh, and you know, what's another one? Lumi deodorant. Yeah, Lumi went from like 1.5 million in 2018. I think they did 25 million the next year and over 40 million the, the next year. And then they, they got acquired just a few months ago by, by Harry's, the, the razor company. So pretty life-changing stuff for, for these entrepreneurs. And I like to say that, you know, we're, we're in the business of helping brands go from obscurity to, you know, putting them on the path to becoming a household name. And, you know, none of them are Nike yet or Apple, but I'd like to think that several of them are, are on their way, you know, to, to becoming that household name that everyone recognizes and trusts. Yeah. You know, we were talking before the show about some of your clients we've had on the show, Nate Quigley, co-founder of Chatbooks, you know, yep. Reed Quinn with with fiber fix and yeah. i think that's one of the funniest ones my wife watched that ad like i don't know 30 times laughing showing everyone then she bought then she ended up buying that for all the brother-in-laws in the family for christmas you know 
Um, yeah, that ad was one of my personal favorites to to work on. I'm a little bit redneck at heart. I started my career as a as an automotive repair technician, and uh, so getting to throw cars off of a cliff and and roll them down the mountainside that was that was like best day in the office ever for me. So actually, for for our listeners who didn't catch the Requen episode and don't know what Fiber Fix is. You know, I describe you guys as like, well, like, I guess so many people know things like the, um, the, the Unilever acquisition when uh, Dollar Shave Club made their video, mm-hmm. made their splash and whatever, right? Yep. But, for, but I still run into people who don't even know Dollar Shave Club, right? I'm like, think about like a really long infomercial, except they pay you to watch it for like five minutes because it's so funny. You know, they pay you in laughs and then they get to keep giving their calls to action to buy their stuff, which worked on our family because we have a squatty potty and we bought fiber fix and stuff like that. Yeah. So historically in the advertising world, it's kind of been divided into these two camps where on one side it's like, okay, these are your infomercial guys. And they're all about like direct trackable revenue, put a dollar in, get $2 back out. It's all about performance, performance, sales, sales, high pressure, call to action, you know, all that stuff. Here's your offer. You know, that, that type of, of marketing. Then on the other side, you have this other camp that's like the polar opposite. And it's like high level branding. It's what you see on the Super Bowl, right? When all those ads come on the Super Bowl and it's all about emotion. It's about making you smile, laugh, getting you to share it. But it's low pressure. You know, it's not like, you know, hurry, act now while supplies last. You don't get that in the, in the branding world. And, and traditionally, those two worlds have just hated each other, like, like genuine disdain for each other. Like the branding guys will see an infomercial and be like, oh, why would you do that? You know, I, I feel like I need to go take a shower now because that's just so gross. But on the other side, you know, the direct response guys look at branding and they're like, ah, you can't track that. You know, you don't know if that's effective. It might be years before you get an ROI on, on those type of efforts. And, uh, and so rather than trying to understand each other and, and understand the benefits that each other bring, they just kind of have spent decades hating each other. And, and I feel like that's the niche that we've carved out at Harmon Brothers is we've said, no, let's not hate on both sides. Let's just take the best of both worlds and, and let's go do some performance, some performance advertising where we are focused on ROI and performance, but we're also going to build the brand at the same time. We're going to make it memorable. We're going to make it shareable. And that's like the crux of, of everything that, that we've done. And so, you know, your, your fiber fix example, you know, they had built this product. It's this repair wrap that, you know, you can wrap it around a shovel handle or, you know, a million other things to fix it. And it's like a hundred times stronger than duct tape. And, and they built this product, but then telling the story of it turned out to be really challenging. And so they came to us. And, and what we ended up coming up with was we rolled, well, we built a roll cage around a car out of steel tubing, but instead of welding the steel tubing together on one car, we just duct taped it together. So you have all these steel tubes and they're just duct taped. And of course, we threw that off of a cliff, rolled it down the mountain. And as you can imagine, it just, you know, was obliterated. And then we did the exact same thing with FiberFix, where instead of the duct tape joints on the on the roll cage, these steel tubes were actually fiber fixed together, which is this you know fiber fiberglass repair tape. And it turned out to be super strong to where we could throw this thing off of the cliff and roll all the way to the bottom, come out completely unscathed. And that was a way to tell the story of just how strong and how permanent the this fiber fix repair tape is. And, and so 
they were able to use that that campaign to grow the awareness and you know boost sales across the entire you know network they were in thousands of stores and everything and they ended up getting acquired by JB Weld which came to them and basically said like hey we haven't seen any innovation in terms of brand building in the adhesive space for like 100 years right in the adhesive space it's like 3M you know, JB Weld and I don't know who else, but, you know, very little innovation from a brand perspective. And so they saw that Fiberfix was able to break in and, and generate this brand awareness. And so they, they bought the company. So super cool outcome for Reed Quinn, Eric Child, a few other guys as well. So, you know, super great success story. Yeah. You know, um, I first found out about you guys. I was living in Canada when the Squatty Potty ad came out. Mm-hmm. And then since then, you know, we've had people who helped you guys on that on show. We had Daryl Eves. Uh, we have my friend mm-hmm. Jay Davis, you know, who I think yep. advised a bit on that. And so tell tell that story, if you would. Yeah, that, that one was a, that was a fun one because we were coming off of, we had done the Poopery campaign. And I say we, this is a Neil... Jeff and Daniel Harmon and and myself, we got together, we did the Poopery campaign. And then after that, we co-founded VidAngel, which was a, a video stream, which, which there was one more brother that, that came on for that, Jordan Harmon as well. That's <laughs> four of the, wait, is that, no, that five of the, the brothers, but lots of Harmon brothers, there's six in total. And, and so anyways, we had, we had been pushing hard on, on VidAngel and meanwhile, Squatty Potty saw what had happened with Poopery and they were like, that is amazing. You know, they, they went from, you know, $7 million per year to over $30 million per year, huge, you know, recognition in the press and everything, just kind of, you know, life-changing type, type success for, for that company and, and for those entrepreneurs. And, and so Bobby- Can, can you say those numbers Potty, one more time? They went from what to what? If my memory serves correctly, I think 2013, they were tracking towards $7 million that year. But we launched the campaign, I want to say it was like in August or September of 2013. And instead of closing out 2013 at $7 million that year is what they were on track for. I don't recall the exact number, but I want to say it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15 or 17 million. And then if I'm not mistaken, the next year they did somewhere around $30 million. So it's, you know, it's, it's impactful, meaningful growth that, that changes lives. Anyways, so Bobby, one of the co-founders of Squatty Potty saw that and his reaction was that should have been us. And, uh, and so he, he reached out and asked if we could do an ad for them. And originally we were pretty cold toward the idea because we were like, ah, you know, we just did a poop product. You know, we don't want to do another poop product. And, and so we were a little bit hesitant, but Jeff Harmon, he, he was actually walking to, to work when we had this, you know, this junky office, you know, we we're to, total startup culture. So we had this like dive of an office in, in downtown Provo and he lived just down the, the road from it and he was walking to work. And he was asking himself, what is a metaphor for poop? Because like, you can't actually show poop. You can't actually talk about, you know, uh, it's just too gross, right? You you have to approach it through a metaphor. And he knew from our poopery experience that if you can somehow make the subject safe. So with poopery, the whole approach was, let's use the last person on earth who you would expect to talk about this. So we went with a proper British woman. Because you would expect to see her at like, you know, an aristocratic tea party or something, but you would not expect to see her 
like telling junior high, like junior high boys locker room, like potty jokes. Right. And so because it was okay for her, then it made it okay for us as viewers to laugh at it and share it and talk about it. So we were coming off of that experience. And so Jeff was thinking like, how do we make, how do we make this subject safe? And then with squatty potty, it was more difficult because it wasn't just the, the poo stink, right? It was actually the biomechanics of how it happens inside of our body, which that's like a thousand times more gross, right? And and he just had the idea where he's like, wait, ice cream could be a metaphor because ice cream is not only like safe, it's actually delicious, you know, it's desirable. And, and so that metaphor came into his head. And so he showed up at the office and he's like, guys, it's like ice cream is the, is the key. And, and so then that struck up a conversation, well, where does the ice cream come from? And, and we started exploring ideas there and we quickly saw that we can't base it in anything real because as soon as you go with something real, it becomes gross. And so hence we're like, okay, what's not real? And, and we ended up on a unicorn, of course. But then even then, if you look back at some of like our early sketches and stuff, now I look back and they're like scary. We thought that we were going to like go to New York City and set up a food cart, like, you know, on the corner of, of a street in New York City. And this food cart was going to be like this giant unicorn, almost think like a Clydesdale horse, you know, that style thing, like full life size, realistic looking and then we were going to package an ice cream machine into the belly of, of this, you know, horse, basically, so that we could pull the lever and, and actually, you know, stream ice cream out the butt of this, you know, basically Clydesdale. And, and then the idea was, you know, we'd be passing out these, you know, ice cream, you know, poop, you know, on, on the street corner. And of course, now you look at that and you're like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm seeing the tapping into the the uh, junior high boys humor. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it, I think it was actually Dave Vance, one of our writers, who he kind of brought the next layer of evolution in that creative process, where he uh, he brought in the prince and and put us in this fairy tale land, where once again we were just moving one step further from reality. Because the closer that you are to reality, the more gross things become, but every time you can take a step removed from reality and put you in this fairy tale land where everything's beautiful and safe, uh, then, uh, then, you know, the, the chances of making it safe just go up. And so once he brought that to the table, it just like clicked for all of us. And we we're like, that's right. We've got to be in fairy tale world. We never come into, come into reality. Which is, uh, which is so funny because when you see like an obviously fake, but like, you know, kind of cartoony, real, like, like a physical unicorn pooping rainbow, pooping rainbow ice cream. And then the prince hands it to little kids who are like legitimately excited about it. Yeah. Like it's so jarring to so many things that are wrong, but it's okay. You know what I mean? And look at the word of mouth it creates, you know, um, one of my right. favorite authors we had on the show recently. Uh, do you know this book, Hook Point, Brendan Kane? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've also read... Uh, one Million Followers. Uh, yeah, yeah, One Million Followers. Yeah, yep. he's so great, right? But like this idea of like, there's so much messaging going out in the world. What are you going to do that's going to cut through the noise? Because, you know, yep. 60 billion messages go out on mobile every day. What's so great about your stuff? Like good isn't good enough. And like, 
I think that it is interesting, like how many times you guys take what people expect and turn it on its ear and you evoke that emotional response. And, and I actually feel cool sharing that ad with my brother who might enjoy junior high boys bathroom humor, (laughs) you know, right. But it's, but it's safe enough to share with my mom, you know, and it's like, but it's like, it doesn't blend in with any other advertising. It's not mistaken for any other product. It like, it's so distinct. And yet that buys you the time to illustrate why it actually is like demonstrably better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I'm, I'm laughing the whole time, but you're informing. It's like infotainment. At least that's, that's right. my perspective on it. That, that's a, that's a good term for it because if you're doing it right, the viewer should forget about time. Like if, you know, when we're doing test reads or, or test viewing with our audience. If we see somebody look down at their watch or if they're tuning out and looking around, thinking about other things, then we know something's not right. And, and usually we think of it as like, okay, there must be like a rhythm problem here or, or sometimes it's a, it's a joke frequency issue where like you have to be, you know, you have to have a pretty high ratio of entertainment to education. And if you ever kind of like ease up on the entertainment and you start going really heavy on the education that can get people's eyes to glaze over and and tune out so I, I like infotainment that's a that's a, a good term to to describe it another term that we use is like branded conversion where the branding part is the entertainment it's the emotion it's the shareability the conversion side of it is that education persuasion you know build credibility overcome concerns that type of thing yeah well, you know, you look at this success rate getting over a billion and a half views for people. So it's a highly valuable skill in other realms as well. Can you talk about VidAngel and then uh, let's talk specifically about Tuttle Twins as well? Yeah. So VidAngel, that's been led by Neil and Jeff Harmon. So Neil is the, the, the CEO. Jeff is the, the chief uh, content officer over there. But it went through an evolution where it started as just a filtering company that basically was a, a tool that was awesome for us and our families, where it makes it so you basically have a fancy remote control that you can say, hey, anytime there's an F word in this show, let's just go ahead and mute it. I don't want my kids to hear that. Or, hey, you know what? This show has a very gruesome, I'm just going to go ahead and skip that using my fancy remote control so that, you know, I don't have to, you know, submit my, uh, you know, my grandma to the, you know, to the trauma of seeing that or, or, or whatever the case may be. And so it just makes it so that you can customize the viewing experience in, in your own house. Turned out to be a fantastic product, had a rapidly growing audience, hundreds of thousands of, of, of sub- subscribers, but, but Disney didn't like that it existed. And so Disney sued VidAngel and uh, you know, took VidAngel through a long, tedious, multi-year lawsuit, you know, basically trying to sue you know, VidAngel into oblivion. And, and it, they got pretty close to, to succeeding. It just about you know, killed VidAngel on, on, on several accounts. But Neil and Jeff leading that company, they were just tenacious. And how would I describe them as like, man, even when their back was up against the wall, like they just kept pushing and pushing. And they ended up breaking through. Um, and uh, Disney eventually came to the table and offered uh, VidAngel a, a settlement. They took it, so the they got the whole lawsuit off their back. But part of the cool thing about it is, while the lawsuit was happening, it forced VidAngel to reinvent themselves, and and they started producing content 
The first was Dry Bar Comedy, which is a family-friendly stand-up comedy show. Gets over a billion views per year, has the largest library of family-friendly, brand-friendly content in, in, in the world. That was the first, first success. Then the next one was The Chosen, which is you know an epic series about Jesus Christ, but you're basically viewing it through the, the stories of all the people who, you know, who, who surrounded Jesus. And, and that show has won awards. It's one of the highest rated shows on imdb.com of all time. It's like a 99 or 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's just, go ahead. Well, you know, I had Daryl Eves on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, he probably, yeah. He, right? so he's we one, of the, uh, so like, one of the partners in the show. Between, between him and others, some folks, I, I know some of the, the numbers, like truly incredible numbers are, are you guys sharing revenue numbers or what the return on investment was, or is that not public? I think the revenue numbers are actually public because part of the because it was so the, the chosen investment. the chosen raised money from the crowd, and so yeah, they, they so have they to reported report, it. Yeah, they they have to report revenue numbers because it a, grossed. Like, are you allowed to say how much it grossed? I I believe so. So I'm going to go ahead and say it, and then I'm going to get back to you, and you're going to have to mute it out if, if okay. it turns okay. out I'm, I'm not allowed to say. It. So year before last. Uh, they did just over $30 million in revenue. And then this last year, they did over $100 million in, in revenue. And if I understand, just, is that off of raising? I believe it was actually 11 is okay. what they raised, if I'm not mistaken, to build season one. Yeah. I think about that time frame. Like making that kind of return on a tech investment would be incredible in eight years. Yeah. Right? Not 24 months. They haven't yet paid back the investors, right? Because all that revenue that's coming in the door, they're using it to build future seasons. You know, they, they have seven seasons planned for that for that show. So it's still too early to call it an ROI, sure. right? But it's it's definitely tracking in the in, in the right direction. Yeah. So right. There you go. So after the uh, after the lawsuit was all over, VidAngel could see that the future was actually in making these shows, this original content. And so they actually spun off the filtering side of the business, sold it off. And so that still exists today as VidAngel and VidAngel.com. That's now a separate business. And and what was VidAngel then rebranded to Angel Studios. Uh, so Angel.com. And now they've got several other shows in the works, one of which is Tuttle Twins, which is a what's a which is a show that our team at Harmon Brothers decided to produce in collaboration with with Connor Boyack, the author of the book series Tuttle Twins. So yeah, it's it's been been an amazing ride. It's exciting. I am um, this might be a good part to end for part one. In part two, I want to go into these numbers and like things like you guys breaking records for like the highest amount crowdfunded for an independent film project and stuff like this. Yeah. It, it's it's really inspiring to the rest of us who are trying to build media companies. So everybody, if you wanna if you want to connect with Benton, why don't you tell us, Benton, where to connect with you on social and the websites for the different companies? Yeah. So LinkedIn is is pretty much the only social platform that I'm active on. So definitely connect with me on on LinkedIn. I'd love to see you there. And then as far as uh, Tuttle Twins, just go to TuttleTwinsShow.com. Harmon Brothers, go to HarmonBrothers.com. And uh, The Chosen, go to thechosen.tv uh, or Angel Studios, angel.com. Yeah, lots to, uh, lots to explore. Love it. Okay, everybody, tune in for part two. We're going to get more of the details on how, how all this went down.